Welcome to Get to the Future on Time. Do differently tomorrow with Jay Allen. Today, we're going to challenge you to think differently and do things differently. To search for what is seen as impossible to do in your field or industry, but if done, would be transformative. To understand that the burden of regret is greater than the risk of leading. Now, here is your host, Jay Allen. Hello, I'm Jay Allen, your host of Get to the Future on Time, Do Differently Tomorrow. It's a pleasure to be with you. Today's discussion, we're going to focus on transformation is everywhere. Engage now. It's obvious, but we have to look for it. And I'd like to open with one of my favorite quotes that kind of set it up for today. It's a Thomas and Edison quote that I think will frame things up. There is a better way to do it. Find it. It's out there. We just have to notice it or intentionally search for it. With my guest today, we're going to discuss how they uniquely reached a point of transformation in their lives and their businesses and their other activities. And we're going to challenge you to step out of your comfort zone and to transform something today, tomorrow, but soon. We will examine why the burden of regret is greater than the risk of leading, sometimes a startling revelation. We're excited to have three guests with us today who have led in so many aspects of life. Kristen Gear, you are the co-founder and CEO of Bleacher, a Minneapolis-based, industry-leading, award-winning sports tech company, named one of the 2020 best places to work in Minnesota, and you received the 2020 Tennis One App Award for Innovation by the Tennis Industry Association. You are a three-time Emmy award-winning television journalist, and you launched one of the first high-definition television production studios in the region, producing multiple syndicated programs with some of the world's largest brands. Also, as an ovarian cancer survivor, you you founded and served as executive director of the All-Volunteer Cancurables Foundation, raising money for cancer research. Additionally, you have a master's in digital communication from John Hopkins University. Welcome to our show today, Kristen. Thank you. It's nice to be here. And Melissa Conforti, with your unique background in operations and organizational effectiveness, you've actually helped leaders build effective teams, develop change capability, and create employee engagement and resiliency. No small task. I would imagine. Well, I know, I wouldn't imagine. I know that. And during your roles in Silicon Valley with Intel, Intuit, Cisco Systems, Align Technology, and Juniper Networks over the past 20 years, you've developed deep expertise in transformational change. So this is a good place for us to be talking. You now have your own coaching practice in addition, and you're helping individuals identify and remove roadblocks to achieving their goals. And you're also helping them develop resiliency and improve their overall outlook. A positive outlook, I assume. You are an MBA graduate from Thunderbirds Global School of International Management and speak Spanish and Portuguese. If I could pronounce that correctly, Portuguese. And I've been there several times. (laughs) Thank you for being with us today, Melissa. Thank you. Glad to be here. And Tammy Lee. You are founder and CEO of Xenia Therapies, a class one medical device company, and you served as president and CEO of Recombinotics. I know I didn't do it right, 
Correct me, Tammy. Yeah, Recombinetics. Recombinetics. See, I practiced that, but I just still didn't get it right. It's a platform technology company for gene editing where you successfully raised $34 million in series a, a Series A round, which is quite an accomplishment. You've also held senior executive positions in large, complex, multinational businesses such as Carlson Companies, Delta Airlines, Northwest Airlines, and one of my favorite, Sun Country Airlines. You are a member of the Women's President's Organization, the Minnesota Women's Economic Roundtable, and the Women's Forum of Minnesota. And you received your MBA from the University of St. Thomas and served on the Board of Regents for your alma mater, Concordia College. Thank you, Tammy. Thank you, Jay. It's great to be here with you and with these other two fabulous women. Well, that is ditto. (laughs) So thank you all for participating today, your insights and thoughts. I'm really looking forward to it. It's it's also going to be important to our audience as they consider their transformation opportunities. And as we said, or I said at the beginning of the show, those aren't always obvious, but they're round and we have to think about them. So we want to talk about that. And Tammy, please kick, kick off our discussion Uh, about what transformation means to you? So uh, transformation, I think I always think of like the most uh, common example, going from being a caterpillar to a butterfly, and it's not always an easy process, um, especially if you're a CEO and entrepreneur. So transformation for me was leaving the comfort of uh, big companies like Northwest and Delta Airlines, where You've got, you're using other people's money and, uh, you know, building other people's businesses to becoming a, an entrepreneur. And that, that's quite a different uh, pathway. Um, it's exciting, it's exhilarating, and it's scary. And so I'm excited to be part of the conversation today and hear what others have to say on that topic as well. Great. Melissa, how about you? So <clears throat> I've dedicated my career over the past 20 years to change and leading transformation. So it's clearly something that I'm passionate about. Um, I look at transformation as the opportunity to learn from our past and reshape our future. And so it's really, it's something that holds a sense of optimism in it because it's an optimism towards something that um, will be better than what you have today. And it really, it takes a holistic approach. Um, It's more than just making a change. It's looking at all the aspects of something and it starts with getting really clear on why you're doing it. And so uh, transformation is something that I'm I'm really excited to talk to all of you guys about. And Kristen, what about you? You know, Jay, I have learned a lot from these two wise women over the years. We all did our undergrad degrees at Concordia College in Moorhead. And yes, maybe it was a few years back, but you know, it feels like yesterday. Um, But I have often turned to them as role models for how to do things better as a leader. And one of the things that they have truly taught me is to not wait until a crisis hits to transform. I think that it is so easy for all of us to fall into routine complacency and only consider having to transform when we're forced to do so, you know, after we've experienced maybe some kind of traumatic event. 
Um, it's easy to go through life and be gliding along on a lovely path. And then all of a sudden that boulder comes crashing down and it stops you in your tracks. You don't know how to deal with it. So crisis, of course, is a powerful catalyst uh, for transformation. But what these women have taught me um, in looking at what they have done with their, their experiences is that important transformation has to come in good times. And that you have to, it, it can help really prepare you and set you on a, a, a better path so that you are ready to handle a moment of crisis. And so changing minor things that lead to overall big transformation is something that, that, that I have tried to, to learn from them. Um, and I really, you know, I look at company culture as a great example of that, really focusing on changing our company culture over the last year and a half to two years you know, focusing on the little things, trying to get us to be a really healthy team so that when a crisis like the pandemic hit, um, I, I feel like we were in a good place ready to to move forward. So, yeah, I've learned a lot from these two, and I'm so grateful for them and their experience. That's great. Any other comments? I have a question, actually. How How do you recognize how have you recognized or how should you, you've learned from the past. So you may be better at it now, obviously, than you were earlier of recognizing it. But how do you recognize the need for transformation? How does it, transformation, how does it really show up in your, in your mind, your eyes, your observations? What triggers it? Well, I I'm think happy. I have a oh, background in, in television, mine as well. Um, we we spent a lot of our careers in crisis, talking about crisis, reporting on crisis. And there's a mantra in business, uh, never let a good crisis go to waste. And I think this pandemic is a good example of that, uh, where you really have to retool, transform, and reinvent yourself to figure out how to make your business work. Um, Kristen's uh, Tennis One app, uh, she and I reconnected this year through that. And she was offering pandemic pricing. And she's the first person to coin that term. And I thought, wow, is that clever? She's got pandemic pricing for people that are going to be part of her platform. Um, so I think you have to take advantage of a crisis as an opportunity to transform. But as Kristen said, you can't just wait for that to happen. You also have to do it in good times as well. That's great. So that, that's a connection to uh, John Chambers when he was CEO of Cisco, which you might obviously recognize that name. His, his mantra was never waste a good recession. The same principle. So that actually turns your thought of good times into an expanded concept because I think your point probably was we might overlook the need for transformation in good times because things are so good. And then when things get tough, like a pandemic or a recession or something like that, or just a shift in the marketplace with your business, then we recognize the need for transformation. But what, what role do markets and customers and suppliers and, and constituents play in the identification of a transformation opportunity? I'm happy to jump in. Um, for, for us, it has been critical. Uh, and it has been critical to monitor what's happening with our clients, to really study what their needs are so that we can respond and be ready for what's next. Seeing the market 
and seeing what what we need to do and where we need to be so that we can always stay a step ahead, so that we always know what they're going to be asking for, what they're going to be needing, and making those changes um, you know, along the way so that we can we can be ready when when they expect it. Is that how does that intersect the others of you in the customer market constituent? Well, we- We launched our company um, in February of this year, which was, uh, in hindsight, a horrible thing to do because we opened in February and then closed in March with the pandemic um, and then really had to think of a way to transform and reinvent ourselves because with our products, we make pool therapy products that we're primarily selling into hospitals and physical therapy offices and chiropractic clinics, and you couldn't get in to talk to any of those potential customers face-to-face anymore. So we, we really had to move our B2B business to a B2C business. And so we were able to relaunch, uh, reopen the plant in May um, when we were able to land our products on Good Morning America. So making a pivot as fast as you can in this time of pandemic is uh, really critical. And we're certainly not out of the woods. We haven't figured it all out. I think it's going to take all of our businesses, at least mine, uh, a good 18 months to fully recover from this. Um, but I'm optimistic. I know we'll all find new ways to kind of pivot, transform, and and really figure out a different way of doing business. And for those of us that survive this pandemic, I think we'll be stronger at the end of it. Did any of you examine the risk of not transforming during your decision to go ahead and transform? Absolutely. I mean, when the pandemic began, seven months ago exactly when when I when our tennis tournaments started canceling and I would get the calls and the emails that you know another client uh, big event had had been canceled it, that affected us dramatically and and I had to make the decision do we shut the doors do we are we should we be smart and close the doors now and and or furlough people and try and save some money or do we instead look at this as an opportunity to take that next step and be in the right place for when this pandemic is over or can we help our clients now survive the pandemic what can we do for them how can we engage and monetize fans remotely when they can't be in the stands. So those were critical decisions. And that was a, a, a moment where, where, where you don't know if you're going to make the right decision, right? You just don't. Um, but at the same time, you have, I had 24 employees counting on me and all of their family members counting on me. And so that's a, a pretty, you know, uh, it's a good motivation <laughs> to try and make the right choice. Yeah. I don't think you have a choice about transforming. Either you're going to, you know, you know, transform or perish in something like a pandemic. So just back to the example, the caterpillar, the caterpillar doesn't have a choice about whether or not they're going to become a butterfly. So you might as well just step in and step up to whatever the challenge is going to be as part of this transformation and and figure out how you're going to become better on the other side. Uh, That works both personally and professionally. And I know, Melissa, you help a lot of people in their personal transitions. So I'd love to hear how you're helping coach your clients through this time of crisis? Yeah, you know, the there's, um, it's really important to leverage uh, things that help build change resiliency in people. And a lot of that comes actually down to things as simple as mindfulness and gratitude. And you build personal capacity 
by doing there. I was there's a great um, Harvard Business Review article out there around how um, people help other companies through change, and a big part of that has to do with um, doing things for other people, reaching out and and being that uh, that person that is helping to build up. Uh, the capacity for others. And in doing so, it builds up the capacity for the individual themselves as they go through change. And that's true on a corporate level. It's true on a personal level that that emotional intelligence um, that comes along with helping other people helps build our capacity and our resiliency for change. Do you think, Melissa, that, uh, or what do you think might be what might cause people to hesitate to help others? Because you've brought up such an important principle. You know, I think a lot of times <clears throat> um, we get really caught up into ourselves and inwardly focused and think that, well, what can I do? How, you know, I'm in this too. I know, you know, I had a moment during the beginning of the pandemic that you know, it was really hard for me to muster my own resiliency um, and, you know, just felt like, oh, well, you feel like a, a, a victim of your circumstances until you take a step back and you realize what is in your sphere of influence, what can you control, and then build off of that. That's great. We are going to be taking a short break in a moment. And when we come back, we'll continue this discussion on transformation. And we will also move a little bit into the risk of leading. And we'll talk about what it might cause people not to lead or might not to step up for transformation. And we will be right back after our break. Thank you. Are you struggling to gain a competitive edge in your market? Are you looking for innovative ways to engage customers, improve responsiveness, and inspire your team to grow your business? Masters Alliance Strategic Management Consulting Firm brings over 30 years of experience partnering with a wide variety of industries in 13 countries to achieve breakthrough business results. Jay Allen and his team of professionals can help your organization consider new strategies and creative solutions to produce a lasting impact. Masters Alliance delivers the knowledge and experience to help your team take action now. Masters Alliance will work with you to engage employees, customers, and suppliers to accelerate how you do things to gain growth and competitive advantage. Our team brings fresh perspectives and a track record of excellence to help you accomplish your business goals. If you're ready to set your business apart and make a difference in your markets, Masters Alliance is ready to help. Visit mastersalliance.com to learn more. Are you ready to break the mold and discover your business edge? Are you ready to get to the future on time? Then take the bucket off your head and transform something. Opportunities are everywhere. Drawing on key principles from his award-winning Bucketheads book, Jay Allen and his team at Masters Alliance Consultancy, LLC, will support you as you take your organization out of its comfort zone, energize and embolden your team to champion new thinking. Identify obstacles to growth and look at markets, customers, and competition from a fresh perspective. Discover your organization's outlook on the future and potential to shape that future. Does your team appreciate the excitement of achievement? 
Do they understand that today may already be obsolete and tomorrow's opportunities are easy to miss? It's time to take action, get in the new game, and make a difference in the marketplace. Commit to success today. Get in touch with Jay Allen at mastersalliance.com. Get your copy of Bucketheads today. Available at Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com. See more at bucketheadsbook.com. You are tuned into Get to the Future on Time. Do differently tomorrow. Hosted by Jay Allen. To reach out to the show with questions or comments, please send an email to info at mastersalliance.com. That's info at mastersalliance.com. Now back to Get to the Future on Time. Do differently tomorrow. Welcome back. I'm Jay Allen, host of Get to the Future on Time, Do Differently Tomorrow. And we've been focusing on transformation is everywhere, engage now. It's a very important concept and one that we will be focusing on with our three very exciting, experienced transformation leaders that are with us today. Tammy Lee, founder of CEO of Xenia Medical Product Device Company and past CEO of Gene Editing Company and several executive organizations in the travel industry. And Kristen Gear, co-founder, CEO of Bleacher, an award-winning industry-leading sports tech company. And she's also an innovative communication executive with past Emmy award-winning television journalist. And Melissa Conforti, a multilingual Silicon Valley executive with Intel, Intuit, Cisco, Juniper Networks, and now leading and coaching transformational change. So welcome back, you all. Thank you. Thank you. We've been discussing your experiences with transformation, and it's been really fascinating to me. There's a, there's a sliver of something I'd like to bring up to see if any of you have in, any experience or examples in, and that is uh, connecting that transformation to actually customers' customers. Because what, well, I won't, I won't go on. I'll ask if you've had experience and the impact of that, any of you. Yeah, I have absolutely. Um, for me, it's it's imperative that I be exploring what my clients need, what my client partners, meaning sports organizations, colleges, universities, tournaments, what they need. But it is it it all comes down to what their customers need, which is the sports fan. And so we are always, as a team, working to try and discern. What, what does the fan need? What does the fan want? And what's next? What creative new technology can we come up with that will engage them? And how can my clients then monetize the fans accordingly? And what will help them retain that fan long term? So we're constantly in that iterative process of trying to figure that out. Um, and it is essential. Uh, and during the pandemic, we created a new product that, that really does just that. It it is something that that our clients have not seen, and it is something the clients' customers have not seen. And so that's exciting. It's an exciting place to be in, to be able to introduce something like that to them and to convince them then that this is something that they need to look at. So, Tammy Lee, as you shifted from uh, sort of B to C to B to B, you must have had that thought in your mind also. Yeah, um, so we were selling through intermediaries, hospitals, or orthopedic surgeons. Um, then that would go to their patients. Um, so now we're selling more directly to the end user, the patient, the athlete, uh, the woman who has menopause or MS. 
So we have to speak to, in that case of the Opal products, to her needs, how she's feeling, what her health needs are. And in the case of Onyx, what people need to maintain their active lifestyles. And, you know, Kristen and I have a very complimentary business. She's speaking to sports fans and we're providing a cool therapy product for the people that are the sports fans. So um, this is an interesting time of finding new partnerships and new opportunities, but it's all about serving the needs of that end user, the ultimate customer. That's great. And I I should have said from uh, B to B to C to to, uh, B to C, the other way around. Thank you very much for correcting that. And so could we talk a little bit about the idea of transformation? What, what I've discovered over the years is that if people haven't been part of a transformation or seen it or touched it or been around it, it's hard for those that haven't done that to see that it's actually possible. It's overly intimidating or some people just say, well, that's not possible. You just can't, you just can't do that. Uh, any comments on that perception? I think the reality is, is that we've all been through transformations and we may or may not have realized that, that that's something that uh, we've done. But if you think of, you know, going through your life, you know, we, we make significant transitions in our life and um, many people have without thinking about it, transformed themselves, transformed, you know, their outlook, their perspective. And so I believe it's something that everybody can do, um, that it's not, there isn't any kind of magic fairy dust that makes transformation happen, but it is something that does take courage and it does take grit to see it through and to make sure that you get the results that you're really intending on getting to. Do you think there's, do you think there's a muscle memory part of this? In other words, if you see it and you do it and you've done it and you understand it and does it give you some excitement and then that sort of builds a muscle to do it again, maybe? Uh, Is that true? Absolutely. For sure. Yeah, I love what Melissa just said and uh, the word grit. I love that word too, because I do think there is a grit muscle and the meaning of grit is to the ability to persist uh, for something you feel passionate about during difficult times. So I think we do build up that grit muscle as we encounter more change and more transformation and more crisis in our lives. It becomes easier because we, we've been there before. We know that there's always a way through. You just have to figure out the pathway. Yeah, and let's be honest. I mean, change is hard. Fear of change can be crippling. And when something traumatic happens and you're forced into that feeling of I have to transform, I have to I have to do this, it, it doesn't always go smoothly because it wasn't in your plans, right? So it usually catches you off guard, which makes it even harder. But if you have experienced post-traumatic growth transformation, you know, and you can build that kind of resiliency, that muscle memory you're talking about, you know, while it might not come easy. Um, you know, when you do allow yourself to look at the big picture, it can be extremely empowering and almost to the point of exciting. I don't want to use that lightly. I don't use that term lightly, but it can be exciting to think about what is next. Um, It gives you permission to kind of ask yourself, okay, 
okay, self, what's next? You know, that, that question of what am I going to be when I grow up? <laughs> you know, like, what's my company going to be next? You know, that kind of thing. So it, it is, I think muscle memory is a, is a great way to describe that. It is all about resiliency and about um, seeing and, and experiencing something once and then remembering that so that you can do it more easily the next time. It helps yeah. with framing of the, framing your mind. I think sometimes muscle memory also shows up as resistance to change on the flip side of things. Mm-hmm. And that's because people's behavior is guided by their beliefs, whatever they believe, if it's going, if they believe it's positive or if they believe it's going to be negative and their beliefs are shaped by their experiences. So, you know, following on with what Kristen said, when people have muscle memory around their experiences and those experiences contradict the direction of your transformation, it really impedes their ability to be able to shift their behavior. So as a leader, it's important to think about, well, what experiences have these people had in the past? And do I need to give them some experiences that give them the confidence to move forward toward the direction that I'm heading? I love what you both just said in turning that change, what can be a negative into a positive. Melissa, you talked about those growth experiences. And Chris, every time I'm with you, I learn something new, whether it's pandemic pricing or now you've just coined the term PTGT, post-traumatic growth transformation. So I'm going to be back too. I just love how you both talk about how change may be perceived as a negative, but you have to flip it on its head and make it a positive. A post-traumatic growth, Jay, I don't mean to interrupt, but post-traumatic growth is a very real thing. And you really see that in terms of if you look at, if you study, do any studying on on, um, any research on illness and seeing survivors and how it can change them. I did my master's thesis on, on this very topic, and it was fascinating to see and to actually, you know, uh, interview dozens of cancer survivors and see where they currently are post-traumatic growth and, and seeing what some of them did and trying to anecdotally figure out, well, how come that particular person was able to overcome and get to start a foundation or become this leader in this, uh, this amazing new musical endeavor that's changing the lives of cancer patients everywhere. It was fascinating to see what, um, what people can do with post-traumatic growth and that transformation. Super interesting. Yeah. So, One of the concepts I'd like to bring up is a rather simple way to look at what we've just been talking about. And if we look at organizations are people that either intentionally or inadvertently decide to or fall into protecting the current situation. And what I've observed is protecting the current situation is really frustrating and irritating to people in an organization because those that are closest to the customer see all the opportunities. And the the leaders and the execs that can actually move out of protecting the current situation don't necessarily see it or ask or don't listen. And then you look at the next level, and that is change. So circumstances come along and an organization or a group of people say, well, we these changes are happening within our constituent or connection folks, and we've got to change. What I've observed is people feel that that's imposed upon them. In other words, 
oh my, the change has come and now we have to deal with it, which is part of the resistance to change and what Melissa deals with. And then there's transforming something. And then, well, that takes us out on the edgy part and the trying things and the experimentation. And what I'm finding is that's actually, you hesitated to use the word, but that's exciting for people because it's a contrast in the day-to-day that we normally experience. And my observation, as I've mentioned on previous shows with over 2,200 senior execs in over 20 industries in 13 countries, is that work isn't that much fun. And, and I really push back against that. Work is hard is different than being not fun. Work can be fun. And that, that transformation can be so exciting. So think of the contrast between protecting the current situation, being changed, imposed on you, and transforming things. Does that resonate with any of you, or am I all wet? Well, here's a really profound thought, Jay. You really can't change if you don't change. You know, and... <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> I'll tell you. That should be a new T-shirt or a bumper sticker. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a hold of your Concordia professor on that one. I I think that's, that's one for the ages. But it's true, isn't it? So true. Absolutely. Well, I think you can think of change as active or passive. If it's passive, change is happening to you. If you're active, it's happening through you. And so I always encourage to have people be part of the change and have the change happen through them, not to them because then they feel like they can be more in control of their own response to it, as well as uh, how they're making something that could be perceived as something scary that they're trying to protect themselves from as something that could be very positive for everyone involved. Yeah, that's actually one of the primary principles of change management is working with people so that they don't feel like they are in that victim mode of change. Um, And it helps get to the buy-in and commitment that you need for people to be able to let go of the past. And um, and it comes also with helping paint that picture of the future. The, The visual that I like to think of with this is a trapeze artist. If that trapeze artist was swinging on the trapeze and couldn't see the next swing to grab onto, it would be really hard to let go. But if they can see where they need to where they need to market where they need to grab onto it's a lot easier to let go even knowing that there's nothing but you know a little tiny net below them so i think that's you know that's a big part of our role as leaders is trying to help people see that it's okay to let go of where they are and that there is something for them in the future what one of the things, things oh, sorry, go ahead, Kristen. Sorry, Jay, I was just going to say one of the things that, that I've discovered um, with, with leading my company is, is that it's essential for me to include my team in some of these really big decisions. I did that just this week because we, we are at a point where we're going to be making a very big decision in how we're going to be launching a new product. And it takes us in two different paths, and, and it's a crucial, a critical decision. And I wanted them to have a voice and I wanted each of the employees to have a say in what we do in moving forward. I see the big picture. I can tell them what to do, but I don't 
I don't think that's the best way to, to lead. I think the better way to lead is to have them have a voice and, and feel like they are part of the decision. So they are truly invested in that direction forward. Um, that, that seems to be something that I've learned slowly, really slowly. I wish I had learned that a long time ago, but, but it, is, it is definitely helping, I think, to build a better culture for our company. Well, Kristen, I think what you're talking about, too, is principle number three in Jay's book, Guide the Process, but Let Participants Set the Agenda. And I think as the first uh, panelist, I get a prize for plugging his book today. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So, uh, thank you very much. What do you think of the concept that the burden of regret is greater than the risk of leading? I bring that up because I can remember a few times when I didn't step up, and those times never seem to go away. And I'm a... I'm a little older or a lot older, however you want to word it, than you all. So, but that that sticks with me. I don't mean every single one of them, but there are a few. But I also remember with great joy on the times that I stepped up, got out over the edge of my skis, and learned and led. What do you think of it? Well, I think uh, as an entrepreneur on the risk scale of one to 10, on 10 being willing to take high risks, I think my career have always been an 11. So I'm always the person who's going to step through the uh, open door and see what's on the other side um, because it's a curiosity I have for something better, something different that's up ahead. And the decisions haven't always worked out. There have been colossal, I wouldn't call them colossal failures, but there have been times that I haven't succeeded in the way that I'd wanted to, um, but you learn something from that. Every time you don't succeed, you get some gift of wisdom from uh, the learning from that. So I think that, that, that there truly is no regret because you, you've gained something even from the loss. And sometimes losing something is the only way to win something bigger and different and better. Thank you. Well, we need to take a break and When we come back, we will continue the discussion on leadership. And as a reminder to our listeners, we want to reinforce the idea that you can't change until you change. And I think it's a wonderful concept. It goes back to uh, uh, my Thomas Edison quote. There's an opportunity to do something differently. Find it. And then do it. And now we will... Pause, pause for a break. Thank you. Are you ready to look at your business from a fresh perspective to gain competitive advantage and grow your revenue? Masters Alliance Business Consultancy brings you beyond demographics. Are you ready to look at your business from a fresh perspective to gain competitive advantage and grow your revenue? Masters Alliance Business Consultancy brings you beyond demographics, the character of the customer, an advanced approach to understanding and engaging your current and potential customers. Traditional demographic views no longer tell you all you need to know beyond demographics engages your organization to gain unique deep customer segmentation understanding you get new perspectives of the motivations and needs of your customers masters alliance is ready to help you identify distinct customer value with actionable customer priorities we work with our team to reveal these hidden opportunities and develop demand creating value propositions 
Now is the time to look at your market through a new lens and chart a new competitive direction. At Masters Alliance, you know that customers are more than meets the eye, and success depends on looking beyond demographics. Visit mastersalliance.com to learn more. tuned into get to the future on time do differently tomorrow hosted by jay allen to reach out to the show with questions or comments please send an email to info at mastersalliance.com that's info at mastersalliance.com now back to get to the future on time do differently tomorrow welcome back i'm jay allen your host and we're excited to have three experienced leaders as guests with us today melissa conforti Tammy Lee and Kristen Gear, And we were just talking about the burden of regret being greater than the risk of leading. And I'd like to get back on that subject a little bit and even combine it with another idea of when did you first learn about leading? How did you discover leading? How did it kind of happen in your life? I would say it's it's a, a matter of distinction. Learning to lead well is that distinction. You know, I, th- I think I've been a leader. I think I was born a leader. I, I truly do. I just think learning to lead well is <laughs> is a key there. You know, it's it's a it's a lot of trial and error and seeing how to come out of complete failure at times, right? And being okay with making wrong decisions, learning from each of them. You know, building building a team that's passionate about what you're doing and, and, and really, um, you know, being able to, to pivot at times when you need to, I just, I think it's, it's key. Um, knowing that you have to roll up your sleeves and, and get back to work and, and, um, and try something new. Uh, it, it can be really uh, empowering. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know that, I don't know that I've gotten there yet in terms of learning to lead well, but um, certainly, certainly trying. Well, Kristen, other people seem to think you've gotten there by being one of the best workplaces. Uh, that's quite a distinction. That shows that you are a great leader and that your employees love following you. They love your vision that you've laid forth. So so I, I think whether you acknowledge it or not, certainly other people believe that you've already arrived. Well, you're kind. Thank you. <laughs> yes. And your leadership skills started showing at a very young age. I I, I will admit I've known you for a few years, Kristen, and um, you've always been a role model leader, even even when you were uh, back in college. Oh, thank you. Especially back in college, you know, on the air as a college student. That's <laughs> um, Newspaper I, editor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I think that the common theme in leadership is raising your hand, right? You have to yes. put your hand there. And that's part of change management. It's part of transformation. You have to raise your hand. And I remember being uh, in elementary school, the teacher would ask, uh, does anybody want to bring cupcakes? I'd always raise my hand and I get home and tell my mom, oh yeah, I'm bringing cupcakes tomorrow. And so I, she's like, well, we don't have any eggs. Well, we'll figure that out. So then figure out what to do when you don't have what you need as a leader. Um, there are lessons in all of those little things. And on one of the breaks, we were talking about uh, some of those little lessons in life that make you a good leader. Melissa, you're talking about learning how to fold brochures and how the details matter in leadership. All of these things are fundamental to how we get to where we've gotten today. Yes. Sometimes, sometimes we spend an, or, an inordinate amount of time 
worrying about or studying the refinement of leading best. And I don't underestimate that at all. But I do know that it's probably more important to start than to worry about leading best. And I would actually turn that tables on that and say that even though, Kristen, you say you were kind of born with that bent to go ahead and do that, uh, not everybody was. And many of the leaders that I've worked with obviously were not bent with it, but they learned how to do it and they did it really well. And one, so I would like to introduce the idea of the why is much more important than the refinement. So if you can think of the why, like the cupcakes, you think of why do I want to take the first step? Why do I want to do something about a situation? That's to me, mm-hmm. I put that as 90% of leadership. Yeah. Figuring out what you want to do, looking at a situation, uh, engaging others. And then, of course, of course, refining the how. Yeah. And, and don't you think that it doesn't it feel like regrets of the past just kind of rob you of any opportunity to transform? It, it robs you of that chance to, to, to look to the future and to, to do things that, that will propel you forward as opposed to keeping you stuck in the muck. You know, it's, it's true. Well, if you go back to the muscle thing mm-hmm. that Melissa expanded on. Right. Every time you pass an opportunity to take action on something or a situation that you think needs help, then you're missing an opportunity to grow the muscle. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I know I've, I have been in situations before where I've played small, you know, and, you know, you talk about regret, you know, the burden of regret and I haven't spoken up or raised my hand, you know, I used, to, I used to feel like if you were really worthy of an opportunity, other people would see it. And I learned through time that if you really are passionate about something, if you really want something, you have to raise your hand and you have to speak up because most people I know aren't clairvoyant and um, they don't really know what it is that's in your head and in your heart. And if you put it out there and connect the dots for people, um, you're more likely to be able to um, get what you want, to be able to make that um, make that thing that you're that you're wanting to have happen really come to fruition, and um, and it all starts with with you know taking personal accountability and raising your hand. And I'd like to go back. To Tammy, who thank you for mentioning my book, Bucketheads. And one of the items in there is you can set the stage, but do not sing the song, which goes back to Kristen's comment. Set the stage, but do not sit, sing the song, which is kind of a relief if you think about taking action on something. But taking that first step and not taking the responsibility to sing all the songs to use other people, back to the cupcake example. There are other people that are involved once you set the stage. 
Yeah, once you commit, other people have to follow you, whether it's your employees or the other people on your team. Um, so sometimes you're committing for other people too. And I think that's another thing we have to be mindful of, that not everybody's running as fast as we are. And sometimes we have to kind of figure out a way to bring them along with us. And that's an important part of transformation as well. Yeah, that's another really good point, Tammy. You know, when we're going through change, um, people move through what's called the change curve. And when you're the one out there leading, you're usually further along the curve than the people who actually need to go through the biggest aspect of change. And so part of our role as change leaders is to help them move through that change curve by being involved, as Kristen said, and, and you know, getting them to uh, sing along with you. And I think one, as a leader myself, <clears throat> it's tough if you think that you can see that path and not just pave it for everybody and make it uh, make that uh, decision without them. It's so important, though, to take the time to let the other people have their um, have their way in getting to that same answer or maybe a better answer, a different answer than the one that you originally thought of. Because, you know, while we all might be smart, there's a lot of smarter people out there than we are. And um, and as a leader, it's really important to recognize that. As I listen to our conversation today and thinking of our audience, if I were somebody in the audience listening to how to start and how to help others. Uh, your conversation ought to be very encouraging because you are discussing actually various stages of building the muscle. And if, you, if people would be willing to step out and follow what you've been saying, they would actually, going back to your comment, Melissa, they would actually build their personal capacity to help others. And that would be not only a benefit to others, but obviously a benefit to the, per benefit to the person that helps others. I think we've all had heard, the, heard the saying that the helper gets more out of it than the person helped, or the teacher gets more out of the new lesson sometimes than the, than the students, because you're, you're in it. You're in the moment. And well, at a point on that, Jay, I think, you know, women, there are three women on the podcast today. Women are genetically wired for this. I mean, we're, our bodies change when we have babies. We're changing throughout our lives. So the 51% of the population that we make up, we, we're built for this. And I think that's why women business leaders collaborate. It's why we're not afraid of change because change happens to us all the time. And I think why women also know why it's so important to help other women along. And I, I love Secretary Madeleine Albright's quote, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. And I think all three of us live that mantra about helping women through their change, whether it's the change of becoming a mom or the change of being in college for the first time and, and figuring out what that's like to be away from home or the change later in life, going through menopause and all the things that happen to you. So, so we're wired and built for this. Um, and maybe that's why it is less scary for us than, than some of the others. Well, there, ought to, there sorry, ought to be that special place for men who don't recognize that. 
Right. Yes. But I was just going to mention, Jay, that um, if any of your listeners uh, are looking for a guide or a template, your book that, that you put together, The Bucketheads, it, it is truly a great template for learning how to transform uh, and lead a, a life of transformation for your team. It's, it's very well done. So I just wanted to mention that. Well, and it's a you. fun read. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And it's got pictures and cartoon drawings in it. Right. Which is good. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't have to start in the beginning. Right. You can start anywhere. That's true. That's right. So that's, that's great. Well, it's, uh, it's an important topic. It's one that can be so satisfying and gratifying. And have, have any of you ever had a serious discussion with someone who is thinking about taking a step or thinking about stepping out, taking, thinking about transforming even in their personal lives and looked at the ledger on, well, what are the risks if you do it and what are the benefits if you don't? Have any of you had that experience? And so I have another, if you have, I have a follow-up question, and that is, what was, what's the length of the ledger that you've experienced on each side? Were the risks greater than the benefits? Were the benefits greater than the risks? Benefits are always greater than the risk. You have to, you have to be able to, to be willing to step out on the ledge and, and take a risk and look for the positive in what can be. And one thing I know for sure is that, you know, personal or professional transformation, it can't happen in a silo. It has to have buy-in. It has to have trust. It has to have support. And you have to have energy from your team and from the people around you and, you know, the, the encouragement to, to, to go on. So, yeah. Absolutely, I encourage people to, to, to take a look at that ledger and look at the positives on that side and, and, and go for it. Why not? Yeah. And I love a Martin Luther King quote, <clears throat> the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in the moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. And to me, that is that moment of truth when you're trying to decide whether or not to go on the edge, you know? take the challenge, lead transformation, that's, lead the change. That's a great place. Uh, I would love to go on forever, but we are coming to the end of our show. And we'd, I'd really like to thank Kristen, Melissa, and Tammy for joining me today and being such an influence and motivator for the audience. We've discussed transformation, leadership, status quo, change, creating your own future, and even some personal dimensions of transformation. Thank you all. It's just been a pleasure. And audience, thank you for the privilege of being with you today. Please tune in next week, Thursday, 10 to 11 a.m. Central Daylight Time, and we'll see you again. Thank you for listening to Get to the Future on Time. Do differently tomorrow with Jay Allen. Next week, we will have more takeaways for your business success. So please join us next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk soon.